This is the Accounting Influencers Podcast with Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. With Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. And thank you to our special sponsors, iris.co.uk. Martin, you saw a great video just recently from Iris, didn't you? Yeah, well, I think people don't know Iris is they were ahead of the game for MTD phase one because they were the first software there to be listed as approved by the HMRC TD filing. And guess what? They're fully prepared for the next. So they've got an MTD webinar on demand that you can catch up with at any time. Rob, where do they go to to see this? It's iris.co.uk forward slash MTD webinar. That stands for making tax digital for our international listeners. And there's some great stuff there that you need to know to guide you through the whole making tax digital initiative. So iris.co.uk forward slash MTD webinar. Right, Martin? That's right. So wherever you are in your journey, Iris know that they have the knowledge and tools to help you in the next steps. That's iris.co.uk forward slash MTD webinar. Welcome to our special interview for this week. And it's back for the second time, Jodie Paydow. Good day to you. Hey, how are you? Splendid. Don't invite everyone back a second time, Jodie, but you were so great last time we were talking about April and the tax world that was being disrupted by what you're doing there. We also talked about the private equity money coming into the accounting world and and got a lot of insights from you on that. For people that haven't come across you, just tell us a little bit about what you're doing right now. Right now, I'm a head of tax strategy and evangelism at April, and we are a consumer-focused tax preparation company. So we're looking to take on essentially TurboTax, which is kind of crazy, but it's really exciting at the same time. Um, we're basically building a 21st century tax engine to change how taxes have been done over the last 30 years. Because if you think about it, they haven't changed that engine in 30 years, and we're going to be the ones to do it. Wow. And this is probably why they call you the radical CPA, because TurboTax recently dropped a few million dollars with a Super Bowl ad. And you're taking those guys on and you're not scared, are you? You know, it takes a little crazy to change the world. And, you know, and, and if you were to tell me that I and, and I think that goes back to like what it means for me to be radical and why I'm called the radical CPA. So like it, and it's crazy now because it was like 15 years ago or almost, I don't know, somewhere between 15 and 20 years ago. That dates me now because I was young at one point. Well, you're still radical now, though, Jordan. Correct. But when I started, I left this midsize firm to do things differently. What I started doing is, you know, I essentially figured out what the the cloud version of the accounting firm today is we were, I was one of the pioneers who kind of figured it out, but I was actually doing the work, right? Like I changed my pricing model. I changed the way I worked with clients in the cloud. I changed the way they did work as well with me, right? How they interacted with the new tools and what I kind of created. And it wasn't just me. There were a handful of us who were doing it in, you know, 2008, 2009, whatever that became what like they call a firm of the future today, or like this cloud version today. Right. And when I was doing that, everybody thought I was crazy. Nobody wanted to talk. Well, I shouldn't say they didn't want to talk to me. They just missed me. Right. And I went to Twitter and I went to blogging to really write for myself to figure out what was happening and why the world was changing and how this was all affecting my firm found people who agreed with us, who believed the same things we believed, and we banded together. And we were coined actually a movement by the AICPA in 2010. So the leadership at the AICPA saw what these, and they would have called us kids at the time because we were in our early 30s, right? Like, you know, back then, if you were in your early 30s, that wasn't like, you couldn't be a leader at that time. That was not considered acceptable because you had to have like 25 years of experience. But anyways, they saw what we were doing and they realized the need for it. 
and they helped elevate our voices so that the rest of the greater profession could hear about it. And then the vendors got involved and they helped spread the word. And ultimately what happened is the stuff that we were incubating then has now become mainstream, right? And if you think about that, and you would have told me your ideas are never going to have an impact on the accounting world. And why are you tweeting and why are you blogging? And I'd been like, yeah, you're probably right, but I'm doing it for myself. Well, now fast forward almost 20 years, don't tell me I can't take on into it. Rob. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've already changed the accounting world. So don't tell me what I can't do. And, and I think that's really important to think about because we did make an impact and we did make a difference. So why can't we do it in the fintech space? Well, we're in challenging times, Jody. We can't deny that now. And even if we seem to be emerging from the wreckage that was the pandemic, how do you feel the accounting professions and CPAs have coped during that time? So I think there's a silver lining in everything. I think the CPAs that needed to move and will continue on their businesses did. They figured it out. They realized that they could basically automate their offices or at least go remote in three weeks or less, right? Because like the world shut down and they were remote and they managed to get through it. It's been hard on our profession because it's two years of never ending tax season and people are just tired, right? Like aside from the pandemic, they're just tired. So I think that's been hard. But I think at the end of the day, we're going to rise, we're going to be stronger than we were. And the people who didn't, they're gone. Like they just closed their door and said, you know what, I'm not going to continue, which probably isn't such a bad thing. Anyways, they probably could have closed five years earlier. and No one would have noticed. You can't change the facts. The pandemic happened and all we can do is move forward. And I think that the takeaway, though, is, is if you were able to go remote in three weeks and you were able to be successful in your firm and think about all the other changes that you could make over the next year, if you actually put your mind to it and got started. Right. Like we did it. We survived. We really helped our clients. You know, we're powerful and we can do a lot of things. So we have to give ourselves a pat on the bat and then say, OK, how am I going to take that learning experience and continue to evolve and change my firm so that I'm ready for what's to come, which is a lot more than just remote work. So, I mean, that's opening up the doors for artificial intelligence, machine learning, all the other changes that are happening to the profession today. It's that common. Accountants are not known for their agility, their ability to change and pivot but the pandemic has certainly shown themselves as much as the outside world, how they can embrace change and make it happen. Right. They're capable. They really are capable. You can't tell me you can't do it. Whereas I think prior, and I was always on the speaking circuit and people would say, oh, my clients won't do that. Well, guess what? Your clients did do it. And when you think about too, the behavior changes that people think they can't do, I think the pandemic as a whole showed us that people will change. I mean, now people stand six feet apart. Who would have thought that people would have ever done that, right? They put the stickers on the floor and people are still doing it. People are adaptable. You just kind of have to guide them. So whether it be you or your clients, just take that away as a positive and be like, okay, I can change and I can move my firm into the future. And last I heard, CPAs are people. So it is good news. <laughs> Jody, you talk about in your books and your blogs, you write a lot about the evolution of accounting. Talk us a little bit about the, the software solutions that are coming into practices and, and what the next steps are for the evolving of CPAs. Everybody talks about advisory, right? Like what's it? But I think at the end of the day, what is advisory? You have to figure out, first of all, what is advisory and what is advisory to you? And I would argue that as CPAs, we've been doing advisory for years. We just never called it that. We never sold it as such. We always were advisors to our clients. We just never separated the advisory part from the deliverable. So what is advisory in your dictionary, Jody? Let's give us a definition. 
Advisory in my dictionary is helping your client attain something that's important to them, whatever that is, whether it be some sort of strategic financial plan, whether it be a tax position, it's helping your clients achieve something that's important to them. A lot of times we've already done this. We just attach it to deliverable and we sell the deliverable, not the thought behind it. Well, it hasn't been articulated. It hasn't been positioned. It hasn't been priced properly and it probably hasn't been delivered properly, but it's been going on in one form or another. Exactly. Because if it wasn't, and again, this is not all CPAs, but the majority of them, I give the majority of CPAs that they are truly advisors to their clients. Those clients wouldn't be coming to us when their life events happen. So most CPAs who have been in the business long enough know that a lot of times they're the first person who gets the call after someone in their family has died because there's an estate issue. And you're when you're that intimate with a client, you know that you're relied on and you're their advisor. Now, we've been doing it, but we just never called it that, right? We And we never separated it and all that stuff. So I think part of it is, is just us as CPAs learning how to sell ourselves better and figuring out what it is we sell and how to package it, et cetera. But the other side of it is we're so busy doing the work, we don't have always the time to think about the work. And that's because we haven't embraced automation. And so when you start to embrace automation, machine learning, all of those things, now, the work that we used to spend so much time just doing, it's just going to be done, which is the cool thing. That's what's going to bring us into the future. But now we as CPAs have to know how to put the right conversations on top of that work so that, again, we can sell it as advisory and be relevant as we move into the future. That's the thing that I think confuses everybody, but it shouldn't be because, again, we've been doing it for years. And we're in a much better position now with all the great software solutions available to CPAs advisory should be the default position, shouldn't it? It should be. And it's so funny too, because people say, well, like if the computer's going to spit out the advisory tips, well, then my client can do it themselves, right? But in actuality, your client can't do it themselves because they don't have context of the greater situation. And that's the piece that CPAs forget that they have because they do it every day. It's that context of having multiple clients, of having a great understanding of business, of understanding truly what the financial statements means. All of that context actually gives you the superpower to be an advisor versus someone, you know, reads a piece of software that says you should do this, this, and this. And then the client gets it and says, okay, and does nothing with it, right? Like that's the piece I think that CPAs forget they have is it's that context. And that's what makes them powerful. So what is the next big step in the evolution of CPAs? Is it advisory or is that already been done? That just needs repositioning. Is is there something else? Well, I think it's advisory, but I think it's just embracing the fact that the way firms operate today is not the way they're going to operate tomorrow. I think it's saying, okay, we talk about a new business model. Okay, what does that business model look like, right? How do you intersect advisory in it so it's there? How do you utilize technology there? How do you how do you create whatever that I'll say next idea of what the firm of the future is? today for tomorrow. Because today when they say the firm of the future, to me, they're talking about the cloud firm that I did 15 years ago. So <laughs> like if you look at what the vendors are touting as the firm of the future, et cetera, it's kind of like what the early adopters figured out 15 years ago, right? So if we're really talking about the firm of the future, how do you kind of mix all that stuff up and take it up another level? And I would argue too, we probably don't know what we don't know yet because it's not here yet. I mean, if you think about even like social media, social media wasn't here 15 15 years ago. Now there's all kinds of jobs around it and like how it really changed the marketing world. I'm sure there's going to be stuff that's happening in the accounting space that we didn't even know that we needed. That's going to change. And like all of a sudden what we're doing is going to be very different. And to me, that's exciting. Like that's the cool stuff. Truly. 
They're a lease accounting software. Um, I'm actually on their board, but they just raised another $15 million and they're taking unstructured data and they're making it structured. And what that means in regular terms is basically they're taking something off of a document like a PDF and they're turning it into a workflow or into something that you can do with it, right? Like you, you can manipulate that data in some sort of way. And this might kind of take your listeners for like a leap, but <laughs> what if you didn't have a financial statement anymore, but all you did was have a database? Debits and credits actually went away and it all became a way to surface data to the top, right? And that's how we ran the world. I mean, those are like the crazy ideas that I see are coming and you can say that I'm nuts, but it's coming, maybe not tomorrow, but it's coming in the future because as people are able to work with data more and more, then you can do more creative things with data. And why couldn't you have a financial statement that was based in contracts, not on, um, and I don't know if I'm explaining this the best way, but if you think about a financial statement, when you go to audit a financial statement, basically you take it back to all the original documents. You go back to the source documents to make sure that the source documents are correct because you're going backwards, right? You're auditing backwards. Well, what if instead of auditing it, like it just was, it just was the, the database that created the financial statement. So I know that's like crazy talk, but I don't think it's that far off. Mind scramble. Jody, you uh, you wrote the book, uh, Success to Significance, the Radical CPA Guide. And I'm just thinking here, the vendors, the software people, they hold the data. They're becoming more and more powerful. Are we seeing the marginalization of accountants? Because they are fighting for significance. They're fighting for relevance in the eyes of the business owner, aren't they? There's, is there a fight going on there? I think there's a fight going on, but I think it's the accountant's fault. I don't think it's the vendor's fault. I, I'll blame the accountants because if you're not expressing and selling your value, why should someone buy you? So if you can't talk to your client and your client doesn't see why you're special to them, then you can't go blame the competition and go cry about it. You need to figure out how to up your game and sell what it is that makes you special, what it is that makes you valuable. And if you think about as everything gets more and more automated, people have to be more human and you can't take the human out of the CPA. So like, you can take the data out of the company, right? But you can't take the human out of the CPA. So definitely, you know, you have to be more human and you have to figure out how to position yourself so that you're relevant. And you can't just cry and say, oh, the vendor, you know, they're taking my customers, whatever. <laughs> it, just, it just frustrates me because like it's a bunch of whiners. I don't know. <laughs> well, and, and in the world of differentiation and relevance, you've got to market yourself. It's no good being different. You've got to communicate that as being different. You've done an amazing job over the years of marketing yourself and your brand. You've been at the forefront of adoption and technology and, and marketing. I want to ask you about some marketing tips for accountants listening. But let me ask you this. How do firms differentiate themselves in a world where they all look and sound the same? They all have similar websites making similar promises with similar values. What's the secret? Start with something different. <laughs> it's as simple as that. It doesn't even have to be better. It just has to be different. Basically, the fact that your accounting is correct, that's a table stake. That's like, like you go to a firm, you assume the accounting is correct, right? You assume like, it's a given. So you can't say, oh, I'm great because my accounting's correct. So you have to figure out what makes your firm special and then celebrate it. And then scream it from the rooftops and tell everyone about it and do it online. And I think that's the difference. I think before partners used to do it and they used to do a very good job of it, selling in an offline world with their bankers, their relationships, the networks, their networks, right? 
you just have to take that exact same idea and put it in an online world. And part of it is digital marketing where you're like creating thought leadership and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I believe that social is not social media, it's social business. And it's just like doing business on the golf course. You start engaging with conversations with people, those conversations turn, they go from online to offline. And then before you know it, they actually reach out to you. They want to do business with you because they've already determined that you're the perfect person who can solve their problem. So it's just taking that networking thing that you used to do in the offline world and you're putting it on. And for me, the cool thing about it was, is I believe that social media leveled the playing field for women, because when you're in social, it's not like you can do it at all hours of the day or night. It's not like you have to be home with your kids or whatever, and you can't do it because a lot of times networking would happen after hours when women just couldn't be at the bar or because they had kids, right? They were going home to their families, right? So social level the playing field on that way, but it also leveled it in the fact that you don't have to be on the golf course. You don't have to be invited to that closed door, whatever, because social is everywhere. And so you have a lot more opportunities and that's the thing about social, again, that people don't think about. It's it's nothing new. It's just in a different format. And now all of a sudden you take those networking skills you, you've built offline and you put them online and now you blow, you blow stuff up. That's great. And I love that term social business rather than social media. But whose job is it? Is it the CPAs themselves, say, within a big firm or should they be saying, hey, it's the marketing department's job to raise our brand and talk about us. We're too busy charging hours and looking after clients. Well, I think it's both, right? I think you want the marketers who can exploit you, right? So, But I think at the end of the day, you have to define what the brand is depending on how big the firm is and whether it's a brand of many, many partners or it's a single brand. And again, that's at the leadership level, how they want to sell themselves. And then you just have the marketers help you. Too many professionals don't want to talk because they're afraid, but in reality, nobody cares. Like people think that they're going to be upset that there's a misspelling or a typo. So they don't, they don't post. And it's like, you know what? Nobody cares. They move on. They scroll past it. Like they've already moved on and you're still worried about the typo you had in your last post. And yet being out there is what's important. It's not necessarily, it doesn't have to be hundred percent polished, but I mean, it has to be professional, but you don't feel like it has to be perfect because if you're waiting for perfection, you're never going to post anything. And I've got to ask you about LinkedIn and how that's changing. You're on a number of platforms, but uh, Facebook used to be the social place where you put what you had for dinner and the jigsaw that you finished and taking the dog for a walk. But we're seeing more of those posts on LinkedIn because people are saying, that's the stuff that's getting me engagement. It's not the insights. It's not the high value content, but it's just getting me a following. What's going on there? And is that really the case? Well, I think it comes back to people do business with people. And if all you regurgitate is high level thought leadership, nobody wants to read your stuff. I don't care. Like people want to see the picture of your dog. They want to see, um, you know, even on LinkedIn, though, even I believe on LinkedIn, you need to put something personal there. And again, it may not be. But if you see the dog posts are the ones that move like anything else, like the kids, all of those. I think there's a way you can tone it that it's something personal yet professional. And that's what's going to get the engagement. And here's the thing. If you don't get engagement, that means only 40 people are going to see your post. If you get engagement because it's got a goofy picture or something a little bit 
connected to it, 10,000 people will see your post. And then it's just a numbers game. Do you want 40 people or do you want 10,000? And if you have 10,000, isn't it more likely that one of them is going to say, oh, like I need a CPA. Again, it's like being in front of the right people at the right time. And if you're not in front of them, how are they ever going to know, you know, (laughs) that they even need a CPA or that like you met their need when they were ready to buy? Because that's the other thing is like you do advertising, like you you do it consistently because people don't need it until they need it. And then when they need it, you need to be in front of them when they've decided it's time to make a purchase. So that's the whole idea of the consistency of it. And I think too many people think that, oh, I'm going to post once and it's going to be like, no, it's six months. Like any good business development takes six to 12 months. So don't look at social as any different than, you know, even if you were, again, take it offline. If you were to go to networking group, you need to go at least six times before you're really probably going to make a relevant connection. Accountants would know LinkedIn. They would know Facebook. Would they know Instagram and TikTok and other things like that? Are they going to be avenues of marketing for accountants, do you think? So I think you would be surprised at how many people watch TikTok. Um, (laughs) I don't know. I watch TikTok nonstop. So that tells you where I am. It's like you would be surprised because, again, people do business with people. And there are lots of middle-aged people on TikTok, just watching TikTok. So if that's your demographic and you think you have a service offering to sell someone who is a corporate person or a small business owner, don't think that they're not on TikTok. <laughs> I think that's the thing. I, I, But I also think you shouldn't go like everywhere because like you'll make yourself crazy. So pick one or two platforms and be on it and be solid. And the thing about TikTok today is there are very few accountants there. So the reason I have the following I do on LinkedIn is because I started in 2011 when nobody was on it. So if you can get into a new platform early, you have all the opportunity because nobody else is there. It's not all this attention going everywhere else because you might be one of five accountants on TikTok, right? So again, do you want to be one of five or do you want to be one of 70 and see what your return is? So TikTok's not a bad place. You wrote a book called uh, New Rules for the Future Ready Firm. So I'm going to ask you to get your crystal ball out right now. And moving forward, tell us what's coming up for the accounting profession. And then I'm going to ask you what's coming up for Jody Payda. I think what's coming up is accountants are going to do less busy work. They're going to be better advisors and they're going to figure out how to position themselves because I believe in accountants and I believe that they have the, the skill set and the ideas and the, the longevity that they it's in them, that they're going to figure out how to be the firm of the future. And we might not know exactly what that looks like yet, but I believe we're going to get there and we're going to figure it out. You're calling it now. Yeah. We're going to figure that out. We haven't figured it out for for many, many years, but we're going to figure that out pretty quickly. We've shown we can change though, haven't we? And I'll tell you this, the next generation is going to take us there. So it's not going to be the boomers and it's not going to be the partners who are partners today. It's going to be the managers and the seniors today who are going to figure it out because they have to, because the partners are going to retire and it's not relevant to them. But if you're an accountant and you're in your early thirties and you have another 25 years in the profession, you're going to figure out how to make it relevant for your life moving forward. True that. Love that. And uh, the radical CPA staying ever radical. What's coming up for you over the next few years? I want to build the tax engine that's going to change the world. So that's my radicalness, right? So radical was cloud and social and um, pricing back in the day. And radical moving forward is machine learning, artificial intelligence, right? It's always about what's next. 
And at April, I've been given the opportunity to really make a difference in the tax world. So I'm going to take it and we're going to figure out how to make a tax engine that's going to change the world. And right now we're in the consumer space, but I hope soon we will be in the professional space and people will be like, wow, you know, she created that software that really that really makes a difference in the CPA's life that tax software, not software in general, but that tax software that's making a difference in their life. Jody, this has been brilliant. Would you leave us and the accounting practitioners listening with some words of encouragement and advice for them to stay relevant, stand tall and strong in the turbulent world that's coming up? Absolutely. You can do it. It's one step. And if you don't know where to start, I always say, take a blank sheet of paper, pretend you don't have your firm that you have and build the firm that you want. So like draw a picture of what the firm is that you want. Forget about all your partners, all your clients, everything that you have in the past. Just erase it. Take a blank sheet of paper and draw what you want your firm to look like. And then when you have that paper, you're going to start doing one thing at a time on that paper to change your legacy firm to move towards the firm that you want it to be in the future. And I think what that allows you to do is to kind of get rid of all the things that you thought were holding you back because now you're building towards the future. Don't worry so much about changing the past, but build towards the future. What a radical idea. Exactly. (laughs) That's what they call me, the radical CPA. (laughs) Jody Pena, that's been superb. Thanks so much for your time and your passion today. Awesome. Thank you. This is the Accounting Influencers Podcast with Rob Brown and Martin Bissett.